Blog Talk Radio.
Shalom, shalom, shalom. Layla Tawab, which means good evening or good night in the ancient Paleo-Hebrew. I'm your brother, your friend, your host as always, Tazapa, and welcome to another episode of Bible Talk. Hope everybody is healthy. Hope everybody's feeling good. I hope everybody had a a Tawab, a Shabbat, a good Sabbath, a great weekend. Um, as we are in the week, oh, my goodness, man, the weeks of these demonic pagan holidays, man, um, and I say weeks because uh, Thanksgiving is the beginning of them all. It's like Thanksgiving is the, the, the one domino that, pushes all the other dominoes over that lead us into all the rest of the pagan festivals and feast days, which we're about to take part. And I'm going to be quite honest with y'all. I hate this time of the year because of the strong influence of it, the strong influence of it and how they, they attack our children's minds. They really do attack our children's minds uh, with this paganism, and they make them feel some kind of way like they're missing out on something when we know that they're really not, man. And this is why um, it's so essential, man. And I'm going to get on my soapbox uh, for a little bit, man. It's so essential that we try to uh, pull our resources together, man, and do whatever we have to do to get a school, man. And I said this a thousand times. I know I'm probably y'all probably sick of hearing me say it, but we really need to create a school. And I'm not talking about a, a school where we teach the Bible and brothers and sisters come along. We got enough of those. I'm talking about an actual from kindergarten to all the way twelfth grade school. Israelite children can come and learn the correct way of life, the correct way of living, the correct way of honoring and appreciating the most high and all his feast days and high holy days without interruption, without interruption and without uh, without fear, like the scriptures tell us, man. That's why Moses led us out of Egypt, right? So we might worship and serve the most high without fear. Fear of what? The Egyptians messing with us, disturbing how we worship the most high. So uh, if and I'm APB man, I'm sending it out. If you brothers and sisters know any Israelites that have started a school, in the process of starting a school of such manner, please give them my information, man. Have them get in touch with me so I can find out how we can get it going or I can support or something, man. Because it's definitely needed, man. You know, I think about it and to be quite honest with y'all, man. I'm ashamed of my stuff. I'm ashamed of myself because I'm sending my children to their enemy to to get taught. I'm sending my children to their enemies for their enemies to teach them. And then I'm mad about the curriculum. Listen, y'all. Until we set up something like that, a school infrastructure within the Israelite community, we're setting our children up for failure. I've been I've been really 
holding my mule on this, not wanting to speak on it. But, man, it's the truth. How can we expect them to be Israelites in this society when they're going to these, these this society's schools and this society's infrastructures to get taught? I mean, really, how? We're setting them up for failure, y'all. And I say we because, like I said, I'm ashamed of myself that we haven't done anything like this. But it needs to be done, brothers and sisters. It really does. Um, I apologize, y'all, for uh, starting so late. Um, I try to get started at about 7 in the evening. Um and I, I don't know what I'm I'm gonna have to re- rework my schedule because uh, this ain't working. <laughs> this is not working, man. I'm, I'm rushing. I'm rushing to try to do uh, to try to get here to put the class uh, to get the class going to get in the spirit to do the class. And uh, I'm doing I'm doing y'all a disservice, man. And uh, I'm gonna have to move some stuff around. I gotta do better. I gotta do better. Um. Anyway, man, let me go ahead and start the class off like I always do. Like I said, y'all, if y'all know anybody that's uh, in education, anybody that's, that that has the same vision or the same concept of us teaching our schools as me, please uh, get them in touch with me or put me in touch with them, man. I'm at 314-482-9110, man. 314-482-9810. I'm, I'm sorry, 314-482. 482-9110. Please put them in touch with me. Text me, though, y'all, while I'm doing the show. Y'all can call me after the show, man. But uh, while I'm doing the show, please just shoot me a text. All right, so if it's your first time tuning in, uh, welcome to the show, man. We are definitely the people of the book, The Hebrew Israelites. Uh, and this is one of our platforms we use to teach and gather the lost sheep, like Christ said, to gather our people that have been scattered throughout the four corners of the globe, so-called blacks, Native Americans, uh, Hispanic, uh, Hispanic, so-called Hispanic people here in the Western Hemisphere, um, we cater to because we live over here. I mean, you know, we ain't trying to say all Israel's over here, all Israel's scattered throughout the four corners, but we focus on those people because we live here, you know, it only makes sense. All right, and um, like I said, this is one of our platforms we use to teach and to do, uh, to spread the word about our people so we can get the hell on up out of here. Um, I do about an hour of news followed by, uh, well, hour of news and current events followed by the class. And we're definitely going to get to the class. I don't know how much we're going to get to tonight, y'all, but we're going to make it work. So let me go ahead and get into it without further ado. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. After this manner... Therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory Forever, Amen. So this is the prayer we need to be saying so we can get the hell on, man. Then you gotta hear Tyler Pride talk about 
us trying to create infrastructure for Israel. Because the Most High had already created for created it for us. That's what Christ said, man. He said, I, I go to prepare a place for you, man. He said, if I can't go, then he can't prepare it. He says, uh, what did he say? He says, behold, in my father's house are many mansions. Oh, my goodness, man. This is what the Most High from uh, Christ went back to prepare for us, man. Our, our building, Christ is working on, been working on, man. He says, many mansions. And you look up the definition of mansion, y'all. You know that one of the definitions for mansion was planets, galaxies. <laughs> Look it up, man. Look it up, please. He ain't just talking about no big houses, man. So it tells us in uh, Second Ezra that the world was created for our sake. That's a fact, man. That is a fact. It's created for our sake. Even though we didn't appreciate it, we, we squandered it. We squandered it away. But this second go round. We ain't going to squander it away. We're going to appreciate it. We don't have a choice. All right, Psalm chapter 118, verse 24. This is the day in which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So good or bad, happy, sad, the most high about you too, he'll bring you through it. And you'll come out better on the other side because of it. Please believe me. All right, man. Let me send this text out to Lobby. I'll see you on the line. I'm going to ask y'all, man, please, to uh, send up prayers for my wife, Lobby. Uh, She's been having this migraine thing go on. It's like the second day, man. So please send some prayers up for keep her. Uh, keep her in y'all prayers, man. I would greatly appreciate it. Also, man, I want to do this too, man, for this family. Um I don't know if I I probably did tell y'all my mother was uh, battling cancer, man. Well, anyway, man, my mother has a dear friend of hers that's been holding her down, and Barakatai Habashim Yamsha. I thank the Most High in Christ for her, because uh, I could not have done this uh, by myself as far as taking care of my mother. I'm the only uh, son, only offspring she has living here in Texas. Uh, my sisters. Uh, MIA, man. But anyway, um, my mother's uh, friend, Miss Barbara, has been holding her down, man, since day one. Uh, well, her husband is going through some um, trials and tribulations right now, man. He's going through it, y'all. And I just want to ask y'all to send up prayers, uh, Mr. Charles, man. Um, in his time of need And uh, I'm going to let y'all know this too man He is an Edomite He is an Edomite um, But I still would, would like uh, y'all to send prayers up for him I'm going to send prayers up for him That uh, the Most High heals him Why? Why you ask? Because he did a good deed for my family man he did a good deed for my family. Now, before y'all be all confused and caught up, <laughs> I'm going to say this. Esau is still Esau. One or two of them does not speak collectively for the nation as a whole. And I've said this time and time again. 
right. But I would appreciate y'all if y'all would send those prayers up for Mr. Charles. I'm going to do the same on my end. All right, let's go ahead and get the show cracking, man. Um, what was it, Sunday, Michelle? Yes, yeah, Sunday. I was fortunate enough to be graced, graced with the presence of my brother, Mighty Mashaba, who um, accompanied me, y'all, to um, the movies, man, to the show, as we call it in St. Louis. I went to the show to see um, Killers of the Flower Moon. My goodness. It is a lot to unpack, y'all. It it really is. I don't know if you spoke on it yet, Mashaba. But I'm definitely going to speak on it uh, this evening, man. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, it was so much to unpack in that movie, man. Um, Martin Scorsese, he did a good job, as he always does, um, except for the ending. Let me talk to you about that, Mashaba. That, that little ending part, I, didn't really, I wasn't really feeling that. They could have just let all of that play out um, theatrically rather than, you know, doing it as a radio or whatever thing they was doing. But, man, um, man, I don't even know where to start. Um, <laughs> uh, you ain't spoke on it yet. Okay, I, I'm definitely going to speak on it tonight. You can you uh, come, you come uh, behind me and do what you're going to do. But I got I to gotta let my, my, put my two cents in, let it be heard, man. So, Like I said earlier in the broadcast, we pride, we don't, I ain't going to say pride ourselves, but we really uh, prove who we are according to the Bible, man. And that's what I got to get into before I even touch on the movie. So what I want to do is I want to go to um, a book titled The Aztec. All right? This book is titled The Aztec. It's... Um, the Aztec, The History of the Indies of New Spain by Fry Dago Durant. So this dude was a friar, and this, these, these, uh, this book came from his memoirs that he wrote from his travels to the Americas. So I want to go to page um, three. And it reads, it says, in order to discuss the real and truthful account of the origin and beginnings of the Indian nations, because the movie uh, Killers of the Flower and Moon is based off of one of the Indian nations. So this is who he's talking about right here. I'm going to read this again. In order to discuss the real and truthful account of the origin and beginning of these Indian nations, so mysterious and remote to us, and to discover the real truth, some divine revelation of spirit of God would be needed. So he's saying that the origin of the so-called Indians, the Native American people, the indigenous people of this land, the mystery would need some divine intervention or some revelation by the Most High in order to understand the origin of these people. You know, however, lacking this, it will be necessary to make conjectures and reach conclusions through the many proofs that those people give us 
with their strange ways and manner of conduct and their lowly conversation, so like that of the Hebrews. Because of their nature, we could almost affirm that they are Jews and Hebrew people. So what he's saying is, man, the manner in which they carry themselves, their lowly conversation, it puts you in the mind of the Hebrews, the Jews, the people of the Bible. He goes on, he says, and I believe that I would not be committing a great error if I were to state this fact. Considering their way of life, their ceremonies, their rites and superstitions, their omens, and the false dealings so related to and characteristic of those of the Jews, the Holy Scripture is witness of this, and we shall use it as our testimony. So what he's saying is, He's going to use the scriptures to give testimony on his statement that these indigenous people, also known as Indians or Native Americans, are God's chosen people. The Hebrews, also known as the Jews, also known as the Israelites. This is what he's saying. He's going to use witnesses. And we're going to get into the witnesses that he's about to use of this opinion. We know that these newly arrived nations, and you hear what he said, nations, keep that in mind, and Indian people coming from strange and remote regions made a long and tedious journey until they came to take possession of this country. And they passed many years in reaching this place. One gathers this from, from traditions and paintings and from talking to the old people. So he says tradition, painting, and talking to old people, which will be the elders. Because who knows better than the elders, man? And I employ everyone, man, if you get a chance to go talk to the oldest person in your family, please do so. You're going to learn some remarkable, critical truths about your family. But read on. It says there are many people who tell fables. Some say that the Indians were born of the springs of water. This is them right there. Spring, they were born out of water. Don't nobody born out of no water. The water, your mama's uh, anatomy, when you came out, that's about the only water you was born out of. This is others say that they were born of caves or that their race is that of the gods. All nonsense. All of which is clearly legend and shows that they themselves are ignorant of their origin and beginnings. So he said all these people that say this stuff, they came out of caves, they de- they, are, they derive from water, they, they came from the gods. He said these people are ignorant of how these indigenous people got here. Read on. They always profess to have come from strange lands and have found this depicted in their ancient painting manuscripts where they portray the great periods of hunger, thirst, and nakedness with innumerable afflictions that they suffer until they reach this country and settled in it. Because of all these things, my suspicions are confirmed. Now listen to what he says. Because of all these things, my suspicions are confirmed that these natives are part of the ten tribes of Israel, which Shalmaneser, king of the Assyrians, captured and took to Assyria in the time of Hosea, king of Israel. 
And in the time of Ezekiel, Ezekiel, king of Jerusalem, as can be read in the fourth book of Kings, chapter, let me, let me try to work this out, y'all. I'm terrible with Roman numerals. Uh, no, uh, Roman numerals. This is 10, 15, 16, 17, 18, the 18 chapter, where one finds that Israel was carried out of its own land to Assyria. It also says that this remote and distant country had never been inhabited before. There was a long and tedious journey of a year and a half to the region where today are found these people of the islands and the mainland toward the west beyond the seas. So he's saying that, and remember, he said he was going to bring witnesses in. The witnesses he's bringing in is the Bible, y'all. So he's bringing in, what is it? Uh, and I think, let me let me just verify this, y'all. This is uh, the book of Kings. I believe it's 2 Kings chapter 17. Let me verify real quick, y'all. For y'all reference. We ain't going to read it, but just for your reference. That's it. So 2 Kings chapter 17. That's, that's one of the witnesses that he's using. And then he says, there was a long and tedious journey of a year and a half to the region where, where today or found these people of the islands and of the mainland towards the west beyond the sea. Now, remember he said this was a land that nobody had ever been to, man. What land was, did that sound like? So let's go back before the age of conquest, before the 1400s. What land was not discovered? Because they say that Christopher Columbus discovered, so-called discovered America in what? What did they say, 1492? <clears throat> I believe that's what they said. But that's the land he's talking about. He's talking about America. All right, I'm going to read on. It says, other evidence found in holy, holy writ that can be cited to prove this idea is that God, through Hosea, had promised to multiply these people like the sands of the sea. And, uh-oh, hold on, I'm sorry. It says, and the fact that they have taken possession of the world shows clearly and manifestly how great was this multiplication. But leaving the biblical text and coming to what all of us saw in this country, a thing that amazed us was the number of people found here. So he's talking about the, the Americas, and from their point of view, what amazed them was the number of people that was already here. So this right here just destroys the myth about Columbus discovering America. How can you discover a place that was already here? If y'all didn't know, America is actually named after the Italian explorer, Americo Vespucci, because he was he got here before Columbus, so they say. But reading on, it says, uh, this was observed by the Spaniards who came early to this country before the Great Plague, when so many people died that not even a third of the Indians now, when he says the Great Plague, y'all know that the Europeans, the so-called white men, they came over here with a lot of diseases, syphilis, uh, smallpox, influenza, 
they were disease-infested people. And because of our people being over here already in the Americas, had built up an immunity to these diseases, we were dying from, from like, the common cold. And this is what it's talking about. Uh, Esau also caused this germ warfare because that's essentially what it was. third of the Indians who had existed here survived. Let me read it again from the top in context. This was observed by the Spaniards who came early to this country before the Great Plague when so many people died that not even a third of the Indians who had existed here survived. And I believe the number we had was 66 billion that were murdered. It says, and this does not include the innumerable, now listen to what he says, innumerable, innumerable, mean you couldn't number them, innumerable men, women, and children who have been killed by the Spaniards during the conquest a few years earlier. I hope y'all are seeing this. All right, where are we at? So that was page four of this book. Um, I want to jump over to page five now. I'm going to read this part. So I'm at the bottom of page five. Therefore, I am convinced and wish to convince others that those who tell this account hear it from their ancestors. And these natives belong, in my opinion, listen to this, to the lineage of the chosen people of God. For whom he worked great marvels, and so the knowledge and the paintings of the things of the Bible and its mysteries have passed from father to son. The people attribute them to this land and say that they took place here, for they are ignorant of their own beginnings. No, no, we're not ignorant of our own beginnings. We knew. Once upon a time, we knew where we came from and who we were. Now, he did cite Second Kings chapter 17, but he also cited... Ezra, the the 15th chapter. We're going to go there now. And I did many classes proving this point. Uh, Second Ezra chapter 13. Me and Sapporah did a class, too, probably about a year or so ago, uh, breaking this down uh, extensively. So we're going to... um, Second Ezra chapter 13, and we're going to start verse 39. And we're going to couple it with the book. We're going to go back to the book too, y'all. And then I got another book I'm going to bring in. So we're in Second Ezra chapter 13, verse 39. And whereas thou sawest that great gathered, I'm sorry, and whereas thou sawest that he gathered another peaceable multitude unto him, talking about Christ, I'm going to break this whole chapter down. Those are the ten tribes which were carried away prisoners out of their own land in the time of Hosea the king. It's talking about Hosea the king, but here it was written in the Kohen Greek. 
So that's why the uh, pronunciation is different, but it's talking about the same dude. Whom Shalmaneser, the king of Assyria, led away captives, and he carried them over the waters. And so came they into another land. It's talking about the ten tribes, or what we commonly refer to amongst the Israelite community as the nine and a half tribes. Verse 41. But they took this counsel among themselves that they would leave the multitude of the heathen and go forth into a further country where never mankind dwelt. And this is talking about the northern kingdom that was took out by Shalmaneser and that whole uh, dynasty of Tiglag uh, Pilasar, I believe his name was. It's talking about that whole dynasty that took the northern kingdom out. The northern kingdom, what we know today is our so-called, uh, the so-called Spanish-speaking tribes or like a war, like to refer to them, the brother of war, as the corn-eating tribes. <laughs> Verse 42, that they might there keep their statues, which they never kept in their own land, and they entered into the Euphrates by the narrow passages of the river. And if you got a map, you can go to a map and you can, you can see in great detail how they traveled, man, because the scripture, the scripture is giving it to you right here. They entered to the Euphrates by the narrow passages of the river. For the Most High then shewed signs for them, and hell stood the floods. So the Most High held the currents back when they talk about the floods. And Sapar, the brother Sapar, uh, when we did, we broke this down. He had a book that showed how the tribe of Issachar was great at navigation, and actually they would have. Uh, they knew how to maneuver those, uh, I forgot what they were called, like underground um, tidal waves. I forgot what they, what they call them. But uh, he referenced that, and I don't know if y'all seen the movie, uh, when they had uh, the tribe of, of Judah, that's, that's who the Africans were supposed to be, y'all. I don't know if y'all knew that. Supposedly the tribe of Judah fighting against the tribe of Issachar. Because the 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 uh, characters in the movie played played the Aztecs. They were supposed to be the ancient Aztecs. Those are Israelites, man. <laughs> but in the in the movie, when they showed the dude um, that was the leader of the the Aztecs, they, you see how the water was swirling. He was able to travel through those underground water tunnels. It's the the same thing is described in the book that Sapar brought out, man. I wish I had the book. Anyway, it says that the Most High held those floods back or the currents back so we could get over. He shoot us signs so we would know how to get to the Americas. Verse 45. For through that country there was a great way to go, namely of a year and a half. All right, so he says a year and a half. Now watch this. So we're going back to the book title, The Aztec. And let me get to that part. So I'm going to put back to page three. And it says, it also says that this remote and distant country had never been inhabited before. There was a long and tedious journey of a year and a half. Y'all hear that? I'm going to read it again. There was a long and tedious journey of a year and a half to the region where today are found these people of the islands and the mainland toward the west beyond the seas. 
not a coincidence. Let's go back to Second Ezra chapter 13 and read this part again. For though for 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 through that country there was a great way to go, namely of a year and a half, and the same region is called Asherah, which means new land, which means new land. And y'all can couple this man with uh, what is it? First Kings, or no Second Chronicles chapter nine. Where it shows you where Solomon had a navy. I ain't gonna get all that tonight. Like I said, um, because of uh, time constraints. Plus, I want to get to some other stuff and eventually get to the class. So I got another book I want to pull out. <clears throat> so that one right there was titled "The Aztec," the Aztec, or the Aztec. This one here is titled "Conquest of America." And this is, uh, I can't pronounce this dude's name. To Vinton Todoros, translated by Richard Howard, The Conquest of America. All right, and I want to go to page 14. Get a little bit of this. What my time looking like? Okay, not too bad. Page 14. All right, check this out. And this chapter is titled Columbus as Interpreter. In order to prove that the land he sees before him is indeed the continent and not another island, Columbus engages in the following reasoning. In his journal of the third voyage, trans- transcribed by La Casa, and this is his quote, I have come to believe that this is a mighty continent which was hereto unknown. I am greatly supported in this view by reason of this great river and by this sea, which is fresh. And I am also supported, listen to this, I am also supported by the statement of Ezra in his fourth book the sixth chapter which says that six parts of the world consist of dry land and one part of water all right we gonna hold this y'all so he's quoting ezra he said in ezra's fourth book now let's do the math because there's one ezra's in the bible that's one then you got two in the Apocrypha, and some people claim Nehemiah as the book of Ezra also. So one, two, three, four, actually will be the fourth book because it's in Second Ezra chapter six, and where's where's the verse? Verse forty-two. Verse forty-two. Here we go. And all all this is, is is a recap of how the Most High created the worlds. But it reads in verse 42. It says, Upon the third day, thou didst command that the water should be gathered, gathered in the seventh part of the earth. Hast thou dried up and kept them to the intent that of these, some being planted of God until might serve thee. This is the exact same thing we just read in this book, y'all. I'm going to read it again in the book. 
He says, I am greatly supported in this view by reason of this great river and by this sea, which is fresh. And I am also supported by the statements of Ezra in his fourth book, the sixth chapter, which says that six parts of the world consist of dry land and one part of water. Read another second Ezra again, chapter 6, verse 42. Upon the third day, thou didst command that the water should be gathered in the seventh part of the earth. Six parts hast thou dried up and kept them to the intent that of these, some, some being planted of God until might, be, might serve thee. So the author from the Aztec, Fra Diego Durant, he's the only one that was a Bible scholar and used the Bible as witness, as reference, to identify who the people in the Americas was, Columbus, Use the very same book to find his way over here. I hope everybody's seeing this. All right. So all of that, y'all, to prove that so-called Native Americans are the people of the Bible, of the book. Now, with that, now we can go here. Pull this offline. This is uh, Oakland State. Department of Education. I'm sorry, Oklahoma State Department of Education. <clears throat> Forgive me, I don't have my reader tonight. She's working on dinner. Okay, it says uh, Oklahoma Indian Tribe Education Guide. And I'm not going to read all this. I'm going to jump around. So it says Osage Nation. So this is what the article is about. It's about the Osage Nation. And that's what the movie um, was based off of, uh, based off of Killers of the Flower Moon, was based off the Osage people. So it says the Osage were originally known by, I'm a butcher, y'all, I'm going to y'all know, Nayukonski, which means children of the middle waters. Today, today they call themselves Wazazi which was translated by the French explorers as, oh, my goodness, I ain't going to try that one, O-U-A-Z-H-I-G-I, which later became the English name Osage. Wow. They ain't even their name. It it does not surprise me, man, because Esau will call people what he's comfortable calling them. He don't care what your name is. They do it to my kids all the time. He don't care what your name is. He's going to call you what he feels comfortable calling you. What rolls off his tongue good? Okay, it says, early settlers have said that the Osages were the largest native people in North America, with the Osage men averaging over six feet tall. Wow. In war, they were feared by neighboring tribes. Oh, my goodness, man. It says, uh, the culture of the Osage Nation reaches back in time, perhaps to the, to the beginning of time. <laughs> he says, perhaps to the beginning of time. So whose time are we referring to? Are we talking about y'all time, Esau, over here in the Americas, the Age of Conquest? All right, it says, there is not much written about the Osage people before the mid-1600s. 
At that time, traders and explorers began to document their accounts with tribes of the Midwest and what was later to become the United States. The Osages were considered a Saxon people, semi-nomadic in nature, and recorded mainly throughout the Missouri and Arkansas area. Arkansas area. This blew my mind, too, in the movie, man, because they mentioned this. And it immediately made me think of, because if you're listening in, you can attest to this. Or anybody from St. Louis, man, there's, a, there's streets on the south side that have Indian names. One of those streets is called Osage. You got Osage on the south side. You got Chippewa. You got Cherokee. You got uh, Osceola. You got all those Indian named streets right down there on, on the south side in St. Louis, man. In fact, I don't know if y'all remember, but uh, I believe it was the Rams Stadium that they was building, the new stadium that they built for the Rams, the Edward Jones Dome, I think it was. And they had to stop um, construction of the area because they were uh, finna put a stadium, and they did put a stadium, that damn stadium, on top of an Indian burial ground. Go back and check the news. It says they were a nation of people with a familiar culture of Northern Plains tribes. Now let me continue down. I'm going to jump down a little bit in this article, y'all. All nations east of the Mississippi traveled the Trail of Tears. I'm going to read this again. All nations east of the Mississippi traveled the Trail of Tears. And if you're unfamiliar with the Trail of Tears was, also known as the Indian Removal Act sponsored by that devil, Andrew Jackson where he was forcibly removing Native Americans from their territories, from their homelands that they grew up in, in particular Florida, Arkansas, Alabama, Louisiana, um, like all those places. He says, let me see what it says. It says east, all those places east of the Mississippi. So get a map. If you're unsure, get a map. I don't have one. But you, you're more than welcome. Get a map and look. Those were all the, the so, so-called Indians that was removed. So it says that the Osage was part of the Trail of Tears. They call it the Trail of Tears because in the migration from one place to the next, a lot of, a lot of us die. A lot of us die, and you're going from the greenest lands ever, the lands you grew up in you had to forcibly be removed from, Forced to move and travel on your own account, on your own dime, you damn right as people crying. That's why it's called a trail, trail of tears. A lot of people dying, a lot of death, a lot of depression. You know, and then you wonder why uh, the so-called Native American tribe, we know, the tribe of Reuben and the tribe of Gad, drink so much liquor. Anyway, it says the Osage were no different. They were removed and settled in Kansas. By the time they negotiated the Treaty of 1865 to purchase land in Oklahoma, the Osages had reduced in population by 95%. 
95% of your population of your family gone. Imagine that. Can you say PTSD? It says only 3,000 Osage people walked across the Kansas border into their new land. 3,000. I would like to know what they started with. Matter of fact, it says that they were the biggest. Let me go back up here. It says, where was I at? It says the Osage were the largest native people in North America, which is crazy, which is crazy, y'all. I'm going to tell you, I had never heard of the Osage people until this movie came out. Big ups to Esau. I had only knew about what they call or deem the five civilized nations, which would be the Seminoles, the Cherokee, the Choctaw, the Chickasaw, and the Creek. That's what they, that's what they call the five civilized nations. They have the audacity to determine who's civilized and who's not. The same animals who orchestrated manifest destiny. All right. Osage history. In 1871-1872, the Osage tribe was removed to a reservation Okay, hold on, y'all. I got a sister chiming in with some information. It says, according to the math, 6,000. What math, sis? Or, or, no, six, what is it, 6 million? What, what math? Oh, she's talking about the math. Oh, math teacher, my bad. Go ahead, sis. And 95, thank you. That is not my strong suit, the water. So 6 million, if I'm reading this number right. No, I'm sorry, 60,000. 60,000 originally, and then they were only left with 3,000 damn people. Wow. That's horrible. That is horrible. Let me regroup. Let me get my thoughts. Um in 1871-1872, the Osage tribe was removed to a reservation described and confirmed by the Act of June 5, 1872, in Indian Territory, now Oklahoma. Since the reservation was purchased pursuant to the treaty, the Osages were excluded from the general allotment in 1887, and their lands were not allotted until agreed in 1906 And I believe Oklahoma Is the second Youngest state In America I believe I believe it is Right after uh, Hawaii I might be wrong but I know it's a young state It says during the early 1890s The Osage successfully uh, Resisted the government Efforts to induce Them to accept Allotment and to sell their surplus lands. Allotment was a critical issue for the Osages. A 34-year period between removal to the Indian Treaty and allotment of their reservation had Osages experiencing many changes. Okay, let me jump down, y'all. 
בבקשה. So yes, Osages were originally in what are now Missouri, Arkansas, and Kansas, and they were removed to what is now Osage County in the late 1800s. In spite of their circumstances, they were able to hang onto their their language and ways. Wow. So I'm trying to find the part, y'all, where they found oil on their land. It might not be in this article. I might have to go to the next one. Also remember, uh, all the Native Americans were subject to those damn boarding schools. And their model was kill the man, no, kill the Indian, save the man. It was essentially them uh, converting our people to be just like them. Yeah, assimilation, force, force assimilation. Public schools and uh, preferring to local government mission boarding schools of towns developed in Osage County. Okay. Hold on, just bear with me, y'all. Uh, let me go to this other other article. I think it's in there. All right, here we go. It says. Matter of fact, let me get this first. Because it, it talks about how um, they were nomads and they were forced to move, right? This is in the scriptures, y'all. Did y'all know that? Let me show y'all. Let's go to Deuteronomy 28. So Deuteronomy chapter 28, I'm sorry, verse 23. Matter of fact, before I, before I get Deuteronomy 28, and 23. Let me get Deuteronomy 28. Let me get Deuteronomy 20. Matter of fact, hold on. Let me do this right. Let's get Deuteronomy chapter 1. Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 1. These be the words which Moses spake unto all Israel on this side of Jordan. So the whole book of Deuteronomy. The book is entitled The Words. <laughs> These were the words that Moses spoke. Basically, this is Moses' farewell letter right before Moses died uh, on the other side of Jordan before we enter into the promised land. He was warning us about things that we was going to do and what to watch out for. He reiterated a lot of the laws that were in Exodus and that were in Leviticus. That's why you can read them twice. Here in Deuteronomy, read them in uh, Leviticus and some of them in Exodus. But anyway, this is his farewell letter, him warning us of things that was going to happen. Now listen to this. Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 1. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high, Above all nations of the earth And all these blessings Shall come on thee And overtake thee And if, and, and um, to overtake thee If thou shalt hearken unto the voice Of the Lord thy God So he tells us we was going to be blessed If we followed the most high commandments Now listen There's a flip side of that Verse 15 
He says, but it shall come to pass if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. So this is Moses saying, if you follow the Most High's commandment, you'll be blessed. But if you break the commandments, you're going to be cursed. Now watch this. Let's jump down to verse, uh, let me see. Let's jump down to verse 45. We're going to keep jumping through this chapter. It says, Moreover, all these curses shall come upon thee and shall pursue thee and overtake thee till thou be destroyed, because thou hearkened not unto the voice of the Lord thy God to keep his commandments and his statutes which he commanded thee, and they shall be upon thee. Now listen. It says they, meaning the curses, are going to be upon God's people for what? It says, for a sign and for a wonder upon thy seed forever. So it says that God's curses for us not keeping the commandments were going to be on us, first of all, for a sign. So you want to know who God's chosen people are? Look for the signs. If you can identify the signs on those whatever people the signs appear on, Those are God's God's chosen people. And it didn't just say for that generation. It said, and upon thy seed. So all of the children of God would have these curses on them for not obeying and keeping the laws and statutes commandments of the Most High. I want us to understand that. So let's get some of the signs of the curses. Deuteronomy chapter 23. And we're going to flip back. To verse 23 Now watch this And thy heaven that is over thy head Shall be brass And the earth that is under thee Shall be iron Meaning you're going to be caught Between a rock and hard place Verse 24 The Lord shall, shall make The rain of thy land Powder And dust I hope y'all hearing this it said the Most High said He's gonna make our land powder and dust. Now I'm gonna go back to this map and go back to this article. I want to read y'all this. This fits hand in hand with the Trail of Tears. Yasserai, you still on here? Give me all the uh, states that are west of the Mississippi. I want to show y'all. Mashaba, if you can, post it in the chat. Okay, it says... Here it is here. Mm. 
See, this is why I be needing the armor bear. I think I done lost it. Here it is. It says, all nations east of the Mississippi traveled the Trail of Tears. All right, the sister just sent it in. Let me pull it up. Oh, my goodness. It says, all nations east. East is. Oh, okay, let me blow it up. Where's the Mississippi at? Running down there, that's right. So all these lands. So the lands that are east of the Mississippi are, yes, that's west. (laughs) But I can make out a lot of them. So Florida, Florida, then right above Florida, Alabama, right next to Alabama is Mississippi, Uh, Georgia, no, Louisiana ain't included, Uh, Arkansas is right there. The Carolinas is included in this. All the way up to, uh, yeah, Chicago, Minnesota, Michigan. Let me switch back over see if Michelle will put it in the chat. What I'm getting at, y'all, is all those places are green places, especially that southern region, the water hot. So you got Alabama, Connecticut, Delaware, Florida, Georgia, Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, Maine, Maryland. All those places are green. All those places are green. You can grow food there. Hell, we still eating a lot of food from Florida, from Georgia, from Kentucky, from Indiana, from Maine, from Maryland. And then not to mention all the seafood and stuff that's coming from the coast. So you could survive. You could survive if you live in those places. You can live off the land, literally. Now, what is the the gross national product of Oklahoma? Can anybody tell me? Dust It's a dust bowl Tornado alley This is where all the tornadoes happen at It's a damn dust bowl I hope y'all understand this It's a dust bowl Okay, here's another list Alabama, Connecticut, Delaware, Florida, Georgia, Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts Michigan, Mississippi, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, North Carolina, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, South Carolina, Tennessee, Vermont, Virginia, West Virginia, Wisconsin. So you wonder why all these places got Indian names. (laughs) This is why. All the way up to New York. All the way up in that area. 
That's crazy, man. Let me read this again. It says, In thy heaven that is over thy head shall be, uh, verse 24, Deuteronomy 20, 24. The Lord shall make the rain of thy land potter and dust. Once again, y'all, can somebody tell me what's the damn gross domestic product of Oklahoma? What's what's the uh what's the thing I'm looking for to work? What's the hot commodity in Oklahoma? I remember years ago, uh Westbrook made a commercial talking about man, they told me not to eat seafood in Oklahoma. <laughs> Why would they tell him that? Because you know that seafood ain't fresh. It's got to travel too damn far. Ain't no damn water up there. Ain't no lakes. Ain't no rivers. It's a dust bowl. I've been to Oklahoma, y'all. Mishabin has been there too. Dust bowl. There's nothing there. It's flat land for miles. All they had was cattle and maybe some buffalo. But the most high said this, Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 24. The Lord shall make the rain of thy land powder and dust. From heaven shall it come down upon thee until thou be destroyed. So who brought the trail of tears upon our people, upon the Gadites and the the Reubenites, the Reubenites in particular? The Most High brought this on us. The Trail of Tears was sponsored by who? The Most High. But he used Esau as his belt. And I'm saying this, man. Y'all got to go see the movie. This is a bit of a spoiler alert. So in the movie, they talk about how in the morning time, they would get up and pray to the sun. And I believe they called the sun father. And then at night, they would pray to the moon. They called the moon mother. This is idolatry, but this is what the Most High told us not to do. But this is what we was doing. Verse 25, the Lord shall cause thee to be smitten before thy enemies. You don't say. Thou shalt go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them and shall be removed into all the kingdoms of the earth Man I wish I would have uh, Had time to go through my um, Nation knows no color line Because in that book It talks about how Native Americans ended up over in England <laughs> Because they was brought back They ended up all over in Europe Columbus brought Slaves back from, from His voyages over here in the, the Americas Although he only made it to the Caribbean, but those are, are the people known as the, I believe, Mushaba, um, help me out. Carb Indians, Caribbean Indians? Yeah, but it's another term, because that's where they get the, the term Caribbean from. But he brought them, he took them over there. As well as uh, the Tahino Indians. From the island of Puerto Rico They were took to Europe By other explorers And some from over here What they call stateside Were took over there as well But the most hot prophesied this Hell the sister just gave us the numbers 
once again, let me go back to it. 60,000. And then there was only 3,000 left. Thank you, Ock. Carib Indians. This is where you get the term Caribbean from. It comes from the Carib Indians. This is what the Most High was doing to us because of idolatry. Let me read this again. Deuteronomy 28, verse 25. The Lord shall cause thee to be smitten before thy enemies. Thou shalt go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them. And thou shalt be removed into all the kingdoms of the earth. I hope y'all see this, man. This happened to our people. Reading on, shall be meat unto all fowls of the air and unto the beasts of the earth, and no man shall fray them away. What happened during the Trail of Tears? You think we were stopping the buried bodies? No. We were dropping dead on all the French and Indian wars. You read about that. Or the other Indian wars. The con- the conquest of the West. How the West, how, what they say, how the West was won. You know how it was won? By a lot of murder. A lot of murder to the indigenous people of the West. And ain't that something? They pushed us from the southern and uh, east, eastern coast of the United States to the West. They pushed us all the way to the West. Because they wanted this land over here. And then they said, you know what, let's go further. There's more valuables over there, too. Let's just take it all. We just keep pushing these people further west and killing them off. This was orchestrated, y'all, by the hands of the Most High. Jumping down now. Let's go to verse 42. I need to find that other verse where it says Thou should be left few in number uh, It says all thy trees And of thy land Shall the locusts consume The stranger That is within thee Shall get up Above thee very high And thou shalt come down Very low So it says the stranger that was going to be amongst our people Was going to get up very high We're going to come very low Now this brings me to the next article that I want to read y'all Come on, man. All right, this one right here. Now, this one is from Marketplace. It says, before anyone was linking the title Killers of the Flower Moon with Leonardo Leonardo DiCaprio or Robert De Niro, I had read Davis Grain's nonfiction book and was shocked and fascinated. As a business reporter who has covered the fraud model legend arrangement known as guardianship. I was angered to read about how guardianship was used to rob and exploit members of the Osage Nation at industrial at industrial scale. Before seeing the film, I had wondered if any of these corrupt guardians would make it into Martin Scorsese's rendering of history. <laughs> yes, they absolutely did. They surely did. So this writer is saying, man, he was surprised. He was wondering if Martin Scorsese was going to tell the truth. He was wondering if, if they was going to tell the truth. 
The water, Michelle, I just got it. I'm going to bring it out, too. All right, he says, uh, after Osage, people were driven from their land into parts of Oklahoma that were poor performing. Like I said, it was a dust bowl. It's a dust bowl still to this day. A treasure of crude oil was discovered. Ain't that so? That's irony, right? Esau sent us there to die, gave us the worst land ever, but what do you know? It had a natural resource that they were not privy to, <laughs> crude oil. All right, it says Osage people negotiated mineral rights, and some tribal members became among the richest people on earth for a time. But under federal law, many Osages were not free to do as they wished with the wealth. Under a particular system of guardianship imposed by the government, Osage people without some white ancestry were deemed incompetent. I'm going to read this again in case y'all don't understand it. And I had I had to search for it, Michelle. I told y'all I was going to look for it because they had in the movie about this guardianship. And I, I didn't understand it. I understood what they was doing, but I didn't understand why. It says, Osage people without some white ancestry. So these so-called Native Americans, also known as the Osage people, that didn't have mixed blood, meaning they weren't mixed, what he saw, a white dude, a white person, they were deemed incompetent and assigned a non-native lawyer, businessman, politician, or rancher as a kind of financial manager. Wow. Well, y'all listening to this. So they said that our people were not competent enough to know what to do with wealth. It says, the guardians were empowered to say yes or no to purchases as small as a tube of toothpaste. Now, let me hold this. What was I in Deuteronomy? 42. Read it again. No, 43. The stranger that is within thee shall get up above thee very high. Ain't that what happened? It wasn't their land. They forced us to that land and said we could have it. Then they're going to come say, y'all can have it, but y'all can't have the the minerals and the wealth from it. And appointed guardians because they said we were incompetent. Read it again, Deuteronomy 28, verse 43. The stranger that is within thee shall get up above thee very high, and thou shalt come down very low. You got to go and ask somebody if you can buy some damn toothpaste. That's lower than low. Read on an article. It was part, uh, what is this, parts of nationalism at a grotesque level. In the book, Grain refers to a Gordian who viewed an Osage adult as a kid six or eight years old. And when he sees a new toy he wants to buy, he buys it. Congress passed a law in 1921 reaffirming that Osages without any white ancestry would remain legally incompetent. So, while you niggas is sitting down on Thursday 
after y'all and bust y'all butts Wednesday night all this week running back forth to the grocery store, burning your hands because you cooked 11 damn sweet potato pies and dressing, and you had to unthaw the turkey or you was frying the turkey. I hope the damn house burned down. I want y'all to know, here's what they think about you. Here's what they think about you, dumb niggas. You know, and I, I get sick of people saying, well, we don't celebrate Thanksgiving for that reason. It's about giving thanks to God. Ain't you supposed to do that every day? But you got to be told by the white man when to give thanks to supposedly your God that you don't even know he's your God and not theirs. You don't even know, dumb niggas. He got to tell you when to give thanks to your God. But you claim you free. And niggas, oh, man, I can't wait to eat the dress. I can't wait. I've never seen a bunch of ignorant-ass people get so excited about eating some damn food. Like you can't eat no food any other time. What's wrong with our people, man? Man, I can't wait to get that turkey. You know, this is the only time of year that people really eat turkey. In fact, I watched the thing they was doing on, I think it was the History Channel, about how uh, certain companies got their start and became household names. And they did one on Swanson and the other TV dinner people. Who's the other, their competitors? Swanson was one. TV, the TV dinner people, y'all forgot. Who's the other major TV dinner people? Well, anyway, y'all know the discovery of the TV dinner came because, not Swanson, but the other, damn, I can't remember the name of these TV dinner people. Well, anyway, they had a surplus of turkeys from Thanksgiving that they couldn't get rid of. And they were sitting in cooler uh, refrigerated um, railroad cars, and they were about to go bad. So that's how they came up with the TV dinners. And what they did was they cut the turkeys up and stuffed it in the TV dinner and and came up with all these preserves to put it in and froze it to bring to the dinner table. What was the other company name? Was it Virginia? Uh, no, not Hunk. It was before them. No, it was Swanson and Damn. It was another company. I forget the name of it. It might have been Gourmet. Swanson, because Swanson was like horrible, but Gourmet was like real Gourmet TV dinners. But that's how they came up with the TV dinners for because they had a surplus of damn turkeys. But back to my point. Our people are so damn ignorant, man. Oh, I can't wait to get those sweet potato pies. I can't wait to get the dress. You niggas can't cook that no other time of the year. Y'all, y'all got to be told when to when to eat the sad American diet. That's what it is. Y'all got to be told to eat the sad diet on whatever day, because all them damn foods is gonna give you the sugar. It's going to give you damn heart disease. How many niggas has got uh, hams in the oven right now? But this is what they think about. So let me read this part again. It says, 
Congress passed a law in 1921 reaffirming that the Osage, without any white ancestry, would remain legally incompetent. Here's what they think about you. Now, let's talk about the so-called Native Americans, y'all. But this way about them, what you think they felt about black people, so-called black people? And I got news for y'all. A lot of y'all running around here thinking y'all black and all this other stuff, African-American, when y'all actually natives. Y'all actually Native Americans. Because the thing that I did like about the movie in particular was the casting job. He did a great job. He had real Native American people in the movie. Real Indians. Oh, man. No. Not $5 Indians. I'm looking at him and I'm like, man, she look like my sister. She look like my aunt. There's one girl in the movie, and when you see the movie, you're going to know what I'm talking about. She looks just like Anawa. Just like her. Anawa is the sister here in San Antonio. Now. Uh, where was I at? Guardianship without oversight was an invitation to widespread corruption. Guardians used their power to create grain writers, an elaborate criminal operation in which various sectors of society were complicit. A terrible irony in all of this is that the federal government's legal deputy to protect Native Americans underpinned the guardianship arrangement, did not extend to protecting Osage people from the conspiracy to kill tribal members for their oil rights. And that's what they was doing. They was knocking them off, and a lot of Edomites was marrying them so they could get their oil rights. It says, I spoke to Gene Denson, a citizen of the Osage Nation, and a professor and co-director of the City for American Indians and Indigenous Studies at the University of Washington about this form of structural racism. You have this moment in time where you have corrupt people taking advantage of the fact that the federal government has created a void of justice in the Osage Nation where the governance system that exists for the Osage had been stripped away from us Vincent uh, said, at a time when the government should have helped the Osage Nation rebuild its own justice system and help to punish criminals from outside the tribe, Vincent said Washington concluded instead that the Osage people can't handle their own affairs themselves. Once again, here's what they think about you. They already plotted. Now, I heard somebody posted this. I don't know how true it is, but they supposedly are working on a reparation bill, a reparation bill for niggas. I say for niggas because this is what they think. Can't handle their own affairs themselves. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if when they came out with these reparations, each and every last black person was assigned a white overseer because niggas don't know what to do with money. Anyway, let me jump down. For a long time for the federal government to get serious about investigating the Osage murders. J. Edgar Hoover. 
push for an aggressive federal investigation in part to try to make a name for his fleeting Bureau of Investigation, later renamed the Federal Bureau of Investigation, but the BOI took action only after Osage tribal leaders made a formal request for help, listen to this, and paid $20,000 to the Department of Justice. They are the pain. You see this, right? Y'all see this, right? This is what your government thinks about you. Why you niggas is gearing up to go vote. And for you niggas that call yourselves Christians, when did Christ go vote? When was Christ at a debate? Which Caesar did Christ cast his vote for? I thought Christ said, surrender unto Caesar the things which be Caesar's, but unto the most high the things that which, which be his. I thought that's what he said. Read this part again. But the VRI took action only after Osage tribal leaders made a formal request for help and paid 20000 to the Department of Justice. Meanwhile, guardianship for Native Americans didn't end until 1934. And I had another article I wanted to bring out. Hell, I might look for it because I ain't got much time to do my class. They sued the government back in, I think, 2010 because the government had stopped giving them those guardians, and the government took it, took on the guardianship role themselves. And what they did was they swindled a lot of Native Americans out of their money. So it says, despite extensive evidence of abuse, in modern times, Fletcher writes that Congress has generally waived immunity so that Native people could sue the federal government for the mismanagement of Indian assets, what I alluded to, right? Outside this context, the contemporary use of guardianship offers a necessary system of protection for those who are actually vulnerable, including children, people with diagnosed dementia, or people who are incapacitated. So this is the level that they had our people on, the level of a child, like the dude said. The level of a child, the level of somebody with dementia, somebody in their right mind, and somebody who's incapable, like they said. We're stupid. We don't do no money. Over the years, AARP, the the seniors' lobby, has worked to ensure that states require a due process of establishing guardianship called conservatorship in some states. And even now, guardianship can sometimes be abused. A marketplace morning report has reported most financial exploration of seniors is not by unknown scammers but by family members. Another argument by guardianship systems is a strong oversight. All right, y'all. Uh, Mashaba did find it for me. So we're going to go to Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 27. Deuteronomy chapter 4, 
And this is going back to how the Osage people started out with 60,000 members. And they were reduced down, what did it say, to 3,000 members. So Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 27, and it reads, And the Lord shall scatter you among the nations, which we were, and ye shall be left few in number among the heathen. Ain't that the Osage? Was left few in number and was scattered through all the nations? Because they didn't just have these uh, Indian boarding schools in the states, y'all. Y'all, these these schools went all the way to Canada. They had these boarding schools all the way up in Canada. It says, And the Lord shall scatter you among the nations, and ye shall be left few in number among the heathen, whether the Lord shall lead you. It says, And there ye shall serve God, the work of men's hands, wood and stone, which neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. Once again, that's idolatry, y'all. That idolatry that Moses warned us not to do, not to take place in, unless we were going to be cursed with the curses of Deuteronomy chapter 28. Let's go back there now. Deuteronomy chapter 28 and uh, verse 62. It says, And ye shall be left few in number, whereas ye were as the stars of heaven for multitude, because thou wouldest not obey the voice of the Lord thy God. So let me go back here. Let me read it. Because you got a lot of brothers too, a lot of Israelites that say that those ain't our people. Even some Native Americans say, man, I don't know what y'all talking about. They don't claim us. But I know they are people. The Bible ain't wrong. Historical documents are not wrong. It says all nations east of the Mississippi traveled to the Travel the Trail of Tears. The Osage were no different. They were removed and settled in Kansas. By the time they negotiated the Treaty of 1865 to purchase land of Oklahoma, wow, I, I read completely over that. We had to pay for that dust ball. It says by the time they negotiated the Treaty of 1865 to purchase land in Oklahoma, Ain't that a bleepity bleep bleep bleep? They made us leave our homelands, which we had for free. We could live off the land, literally, to go march into a dust bowl, and then we had to pay to live there. The Osage had reduced in population by 95%. Only 3,000 Osage people walked across Kansas the Kansas border into their new land. I'm going to read this again. Deuteronomy chapter 28 
in verse 62. And ye shall be left few in number, whereas ye were as the stars of heaven for multitude, because thou wouldest not obey the voice of the Lord thy God. So this is what happened to us, man. And this is what this is what continues to happen to our people, man. And just because you're an Israelite, don't think just because now you got the truth that these curses are not going to affect you. Remember what Christ said. Matter of fact, let's get it. Hell, I got time. Man, I'm sorry, y'all. I I was not uh, planning on taking this much time. Here's what it is, though. I'm sorry. Mashaba, you're going to have to uh, retitle this one, I guess. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, and it reads, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. Now, what is Christ saying here? Because <laughs> a lot of people like to say he did away with the law. Don't y'all know that the reason the Israelites were in all of them captivities is because we broke the law? So what would make y'all think that the law is no longer in effect anyway? And according to 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, sin is transgression of the law. So how can you be a sinner if there ain't no law? That would make no sense. But Christ said, think not that I am come to destroy the law. Now, the part I want to get to is this. Or the prophets. Moses was a prophet. When Moses was breaking down Deuteronomy chapter 28, that was prophecy. A prophecy is something that is written, it said it's going to happen, and then later on, come to find out, it happens. That's prophecy. Christ said he didn't come to destroy that. So Deuteronomy 28, he didn't come to destroy. We were going to go through all of that. So just because you're Israelites, you got the knowledge, you got the book, you're still going to go through the curses. So if you... If you have a struggle to make ends meet, if you pinching pennies, Bob and Peter to pay Paul, guess what? That's Deuteronomy 28. If you have hatred in your heart for your own people, because I know a lot of a lot of our people, I'm talking about, <laughs> I'm gonna say it like this: the supposed tribe of Judah. <laughs> Because, like I said, a lot of people think they Judaize and they ain't. Got much issues with what they say, all the Mexicans. I don't like the Mexicans. Mm-hmm. Or those Mexicans saying, Mayate. You Mayate. Get away from me, Mayate. They don't like us. That's Deuteronomy 28. They ain't proven. That's prophecy. Christ, he comes to destroy that. But remember, all this goes back to us not following and keeping the law, statutes, and commandments. So Deuteronomy chapter 28, leaves verse 54, that I'm looking for. So that the man that is tender among you and very delicate, his eye shall be evil toward his brother. So this is the brown on black crime, the black on brown crime. 
This is the uh, Dominican brother saying, me no negro. <laughs> Nigga, dark as me. Me no negro. Or the, the, the Puerto Rican. Maliqua. Me no negro. Or the Cubano. Me no negro. Or the, the, the Brazilian. Me no negro. Or the uh, Argentinian. Me no negro. Or uh, uh, Panamanian, Panamanian brothers and sisters. Me no negro. <laughs> That's what this is, right? Let me read this again. So that the man that is tender among you and very delicate, his eye shall be evil towards his brother. This is why we hate each other, y'all. But remember, once again, we hate each other because of why. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 15. But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, commanding this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee, including the curse of what? Us hating each other, self-hatred, all of that. All of it, y'all. Matter of fact, I got time. Hold on, y'all. I got to get this other book. I want to pull something out real quick. All right, y'all, I'm back. So let me couple this with Deuteronomy chapter 28. And um, what verse I want to get? Verse 28. Listen to this. The Lord shall smite thee with madness and blindness and astonishment of heart. Now, when he talks about madness, he's talking about you're insane in your mind. Now, listen to this, man. It's been a minute since I've read this book or brought it out. This book is entitled The Miseducation of the Negro by Carter G. Woodson. Now, I'm just going to read this part here. This is actually on the back, but it's in the book. I couldn't find the page, so let me just read this. It says, and this is his quote, Will you control a man's thinking? You do not have to worry about his actions. You do not have to tell him not to stand here or go yonder. He will find his proper place and will stay in it. You do not need to send him to the back door. He will go without being told. 
In fact, if there is no back door, he will cut one for his special benefit. His education makes it necessary. <laughs> All of this because we wouldn't listen to the most high. So now we got programmed. Like I said, you've been programmed to celebrate the genocide of your own damn people every year. And how long has damn Thanksgiving been going on? And you ain't, you ain't got to tell nobody, hey, man, go get the turkey. Everybody's programmed already to go do it. Everybody's already programmed to, to go get the stuffing, to go get the dressing, to go get the chitlins, the sweet potato pie. Everybody's already programmed to do this. But this ain't nothing new, man. The scripture says nothing new under the sun. We we've been doing this. Watch this. Let's go to uh and you know what's the ironic thing about it? To add uh insult to injury. Did y'all know that this month is Native American month? Did y'all know that? Y'all think I'm lying, don't y'all? Let me get this real quick. Uh Indian Affairs National Native American Heritage Month. I ain't making this up, y'all. Welcome to Native American Heritage Month at the Department of the Interior. It says National Native American Heritage Month is celebrated each year in November. Y'all see this? It's a mockery. Our people coming and going, though. Coming and going. And then what's sad about it is you got Israelites, Yep, I'm going to speak on it. Guess where they going to try to go on Thursday? To visit their people. I'm going to my mama house. some of that food. Shame on y'all. I remember years back when Bada Bye was running the show here. He would hold a cookout or a barbecue on Thanksgiving to keep niggas from going to see their people on Thanksgiving. Man, sad, man. But going back to my point, so in his book he said, if you control the way a man thinks, you got to worry about his actions, right? Now watch this. This is just case in point of our people, man. Let's go to First Maccabees. Chapter 1 and verse 11. Now listen to this. In those days, and this is appropriate because we got Hanukkah coming up starting on December the 7th, I believe. First Maccabees chapter 1, verse 11. In those days went there out of Israel wicked men. Why was they wicked? Who persuaded many, saying, let us, let us go and make a covenant. Word covenant means contract. The heathen that are round about us, for since we departed from them, we have had much sorrow. What type of mind frame you got to be in that to say that when we're around the other nations, man, we be having a good time. We got it good when we're around the other nations. Nigga, we're around the other nations now, 
are we having a good time? I mean collectively as a people. I know I ain't. I am not having a good time. I'm, I'm unhappy as hell. But these niggas said, since we departed from the Browner Nation, we had much trouble. Not really understanding that the Most High got your finger on you because you're trying to be like the nation through idolatry and all the other stuff that the nations do. This is why you have such a tough time when <clears throat> you were around the nation or you ain't around the nation because we still be sinning when we ain't around. Verse 12. So this device pleased them well. Then certain of the people were so forward herein that they went to the king who gave them license to do after the ordinances of the heathen. So what ordinance was it? Whereupon they built a place of exercise, yes, a gym, gym gymnos, a gymnasium. The root word for gym is gym gymnos which means to exercise naked. So our people wanted to go build a place of exercise, a gym where they could work out naked like the heathen at Jerusalem, according to the custom of the heathen. This is what we was doing. This is what we still doing. I got to do some more studying. But did y'all know that bodybuilding Bodybuilding is the worship of Hercules. Did y'all know that? I'll bring it out. Hercules, whenever you see Hercules depicted in Greek pictures or statues, he's always what? Naked. When you see these bodybuilders, when they're competing, they're what? Practically naked. They got a little Speedo on. Showing everything, but they junk. That's the work, worship of Hercules. But this is us, man. We don't have to be told to do these things. We'll go out of our way to do these things because Esau controls our mind in everything, in everything. And the programming is so deep. Y'all know we is we Israel and all, but who ain't gonna be? Whistling a humming Christmas song this year. Sad, I'm guilty of it. Not listen. It is not voluntary, y'all. It's like a in, it's like an involuntary muscle. Cause we've been we've been we grew up here and we've been programmed with this mess for so long. And then they get right into your psyche because you be in the department store or the grocery store and what they plan. Holy! Then you got all these damn Christmas movies coming. They already started with that. Already started. This is our people, man. We program, y'all. That's why the scriptures say this, man. Let me get that too. I know a lot of brothers be thinking this is talking about a physical ordeal, <clears throat> but it ain't. Revelation chapter 18 and verse 4. 
And I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people. The her is talking about Babylon the Great. In the Bible, y'all, there are three Babylons. I want us to understand this. There are three. There's ancient Babylon under Nimrod, who started all this paganism after the flood, which Meshach was going heavily and very skillfully into. There's Neo-Babylon, Neo meaning new, the new Babylon that was under even before Nebuchadnezzar, but all those people. And then there's Babylon the Great. And that is, in fact, America. And this is America, the Babylon the Great, is the epic center of the final battle between good and evil, y'all. Between good and evil. It's all through the Bible. But Revelation 18, verse 4 says, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people. Talking about what? Us coming out of the mindset of America. Us coming out of the mindset of some damn thanksgiving. You celebrating the genocide of your people. You know, when I tell when I tell people this, they look at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, man, this many people fell asleep in the history class? Damn. And now they writing it out the book. Niggas wasn't reading it anyway. Revelation 18 and 4. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins. So you sitting down eating turkey is what? You partaking in this place's sins. They got blood all on their hands. There's blood on that turkey. There's blood on that damn uh, honey-baked ham that you ordered. There's blood on that dressing, that cranberry sauce. There's blood on all of it. It says that ye be not partakers of her sins and that ye receive not of her plagues. Because guess what? If you're still in the American mindset when Christ come back, you're going to get that work too. you going to get that work also. I'm going to end it with that, y'all. Listen, I want to apologize again. I know y'all was waiting to hear about the uh, martyrs of the gospel which is the disciples being martyred for the word of Yahweh Shai, the word to the Israelites, the good news that we're going to be freed out of captivity and be reunited uh, back to the Most High by way of Christ. I apologize for that, y'all. I got, got thrown a little bit off the track. Uh, like I said, I got to do something different uh, with these days and times, man, uh, delivering the show because I'm doing y'all a disservice and I don't want it to be like that. Uh, but I like to say thank y'all the while to everybody for tuning in, the water Mashallah for hooking up the broadcast. And uh until next Tuesday, Lord willing, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to please tune in to Taza Pa. Tuesday. Taza Pa. Tuesday. Taza Pa. Tuesday. Every Tuesday. And with that y'all, we're gonna say Laila Tawab and Shalom. Shalom.